should. Do somewhere better. Please do it. No. Please. Because there'll be immediately these bikes will be like, oh, that fucking... No, but you, you talk really well, like. But you talk really well, too, and you need <laughs> <No>. practice. <laughs> What's the introduction? You just say... <laughs> you just say something. Hello, Tripe Machineers. Um, I'm borrowing Ellie's start here. Good morning, if you've just tuned into us. This is our weekly roundup, and Ellie has forced me into um, talking to all of you. I would prefer to give it straight back to Ellie. So here we go. <laughs> Ellie's staying totally silent in the background. I just think it's good if we have a balance, and if we do one week, I introduce it, and the next week, you introduce it. That's fair, right? I'm calling in sick next week. I mean, the week after, which, <laughs> whichever week I'm on. <laughs> so, good morning and welcome to The Friday View. It is the 14th of May already, and I hope you're all having a fantastic weekend. Looking forward to the weekend. Ellie O'Byrne and JJ O'Donoghue here with a couple of snippets of weekly news in and around Cork City and County. What's in your attic, JJ? Um, not a whole lot actually. I think it was cleaned out about a year ago. Um, so darkness, a water tank, and probably a few bags that nobody wants to go through. So you don't have any, you know, historic documents, any kind of amazing old photographs with maybe one of the kind of heroes of the Easter Rising in the background or anything interesting like that in your attic? Probably not at all, I would say. Well, I'm really disappointed. I'd say that I have heaps of stuff like that under, you know, all of the rotting stuff. The reason why I'm saying this is because there's a new community-based project called the People's Archive and they're calling on regular people from around Cork to have a look and if they have anything that's kind of historically of significance that they can go ahead and they can actually submit it to this online archive. Isn't that a great idea? It's not bad at all and like the the end result will be what they put it all online then or? Yeah so it's a digital project so it's oh. www.thepeoplesarchive.ie and it's run by historian Darren Markham and designer Kerry Sloan. So basically they're looking for anything that you have, like personal stories, photographs, letters, any kind of um, objects and things like that, just celebrating everyday life in Cork between 1913 and 1923. So even if you had, you know, like a jug that your great grandmother used to use or some photographs or something like that. And I think it's really nice because it's this kind of... um, new kind of ethnographical approach to history where it's not just the history of the few important history makers but it's everybody's history yeah yeah yeah. so nothing to nothing to donate there afraid not but uh we'll have a look tell me a little bit about the marathon cork city council meeting that you zoomed into it's, they're oh, yeah, online it's, now anyway it's on YouTube but um, it's not archived which I looked into um, they don't archive it I don't know if anybody has 5 hours 10 minutes to sit through afterwards but yeah 5 hours 10 minutes so once a month they're called the ordinary councillors meeting and it's all of the city councillors the first Monday I think in every month and since Covid obviously it's all online and you can look at it on YouTube and you get to see all the councillors backgrounds or their sitting rooms or bedrooms or offices or 
whatever. Um, and yeah, they just go through the. the <laughs> Is that why you're like? I was just about to launch into this really serious spiel about how local democracy is actually really well served by this new technological approach. Like that, it is actually a benefit, isn't it? You know, because yeah, yeah, no, you could always go into them, but you had to get yourself exactly. in. So um, if you're just interested in something, you. So just... I think when they do go back, because I imagine they will want to go back to an actual physical building, but they definitely should keep it going online for anybody sad nuts like me who want to tune in um but no that they definitely should do that it was only the background i didn't even the first time i think i've been looking at them since january um so it's one of these things i do once a month and every monday um and it's a way to get to know your counselors uh god bless you if you're that way inclined but uh, yeah this one went on five hours and ten minutes like i actually i brought my Haruki to soccer training and then I came home and I Haruki's your son right yeah 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 and I'd forgotten about it like I presumed it was <laughs> over because it started at half five and I think I saw someone tweet um, that like uh, one of the Cork Independent reporters she was still following it and I was like this is eight o'clock nine o'clock still going so yeah it went from half five to up until nearly eleven o'clock that is mammoth um, like, and I, there's no need to have a five hour, ten minute meeting. But what was the lot? Were they all still there at the end or was it just a couple of really yeah, haggard like looking kind of people? Come in and out as well a bit because um, like people have things to do and there's a great range, you know, of ages in the city councillors as well. And they go through the motions. Literally, it's about motions after motion. And like I didn't know this either because I, I caught the very start of it this time. It starts with they all. It's a roll call like in school. And, you know, you say unshot and your name. And then um, they say a short little prayer. <laughs> uh, do, do they? Do they, yeah, they say a prayer? They do. They really say a prayer. And then there's a moment of reflection or a moment of silence for reflection. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like, when you see it first. It's like primary school, isn't it? Yeah, like, it was, it was mad. Um, the, one of the big issues or the big motions was, this time around, was toilets, public toilets. Um, so and then all of like whoever wants to talk about like getting on the ticket or that motion so like that's why you can go on and on and on and like they kind of all have their own personal thoughts on the subject or their political and there's some there's grandstanding for sure so but tell me about this because the public toilet issue is actually huge and it's something that we've been looking at covering for a while so what's the deal with the public toilet thing I guess the past year really showed up the fact that because so many private businesses were closed that we don't have public toilets um, at all, I think. I think it was Councillor McCarthy, I might have missed this, but he was saying that um, there was, in the 80s, when there was nobody in Ireland because we'd all left, um, there was 13 public toilets in the city, and now I think there's actually none. It's a much bigger issue. You know, people think, and also, of course, there's toilet humour and everything, but... It is a huge accessibility issue for people, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Like, cause, um, yeah, like, uh, until, and this is probably what will happen as well, you know, they'll be like, okay, the shops and pubs and cafes will open back up again so we can kind of push it off to them. But they really do need to, and like, the, the other thing, the council know this, and councillors were admitting this as well, you know, they're like, this is not a new issue, you know. Um, but they're trying to fast track some of the process, but you saw as well, you probably saw that Hilsers, you know, on Grand Parade, there's talks of that being turned into not just the toilet. It's actually they're going to use it as a civic building, but um, that would be that they would put a toilet in there until the city library, which is being redeveloped, redeveloped across the road. Um, 
that will also have public toilets and they're going to to focus more on like public buildings. And I understand that the English market traders are a little bit up in arms about the Hillsu thing. I I don't know enough of why they are up in arms. I mean, we need toilets. Like I think sometimes I think there's a bit of nimbyism. Like we're all guilty of that. Like we don't want the toilet there. But why? Like, you mean you go somewhere, you need a toilet, you know, and I mean, this is the basic reality. Well, I suppose, I mean, maybe it's the association between, you know, like having, because it's right there in the middle between the two entrances yeah. of this big, you know, yeah, the, the, the kind of mean, mecca yeah. of food yeah, in Cork. Yeah. And also there's been a lot of problems with needle use yeah. in, in, in public toilets and stuff in the city centre as well. Maybe they're worried about attracting antisocial behaviour. Tell me about your tweet of the week. This week's tweet of the week comes via Christ the King secondary school near Turner's Cross. So Christ the King Girls School have gifted City Council access to Tremor Valley Park uh, via Half Moon Lane which is off the South Douglas Road I think um, so that there will be much easier access to Tremor Valley Park walking or cycling I guess. Um, so that's a big deal because one of the big big problems with Tremor Valley Park is it's a pain in the arse to get there. Or not to get to, to get well, into. Well, it was just that they put in this park and it was only accessible by car. It's just such an amazing thing to do, isn't it? I mean, there you can access it via... But again, there is, yeah. But essentially, yeah, you need a car to get to it. They are, there's going to be a big, huge bridge, walkway bridge, you now go over the South Link um, near the Kinsale Road, Road roundabout. Um, that's a big project and I believe that they're going to start building that at the end of this year. But yeah, it's like, again, it's one of these put the cart out before the horse. Um, if you get my metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. I think I know where you're coming from. Anyway, that's, it's good news for people who are trying to get to Tremor Valley Park. Um, good on you, Christ the King. Fantastic. Fantastic. I want to just uh, talk for a second about the on Tashka and the Taoiseach mm. controversy because it actually feeds back into really two stories that we've covered here so far and that's this thing that happened this week that Michal Martin called on Ontashka to to cease an objection so that Ontashka are objecting to um, a license this is not Cork based yeah. listeners sorry about this but- this is in South Kilkenny so Antashka are objecting to this massive cheese factory that would require 5% of all of the wet milk produced in Ireland for this one factory. So it is, they're making points about its environmental impacts and stuff like that. And Micheál Martin asked them not to make that objection. And then there were calls from a lot of Fianna Fáil politicians for Antashka, who are kind of the environment NGO for Ireland, to be defunded and it's an amazing precedent to set. I, I think it's interesting because you remember when I was writing about the River Bride? Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So that one's still up there on our Tripe and Machine Substack, which, by the way, if you haven't already, sign up via email and you get a weekly long read and then you get the Friday view for free too. So back to the Pride and the Bride. Um that's something that the OPW minister did in that instance. Yeah. So he said that the people who are objecting to the culverting of the River Bride in Blackpool, um, he asked them not to take up their ability to seek a ju- judicial review. Yeah. For starters, 
it's very divisive thing to do for a minister or a TD to come in and to start making those kind of announcements because what they're doing in effect is they're saying you community are pitted against each other mm. here are you people who are anti-development mm. and if you're anti-development you're anti-jobs and you're anti all of those other wonderful things mm. and the choices between those two things that's the first thing is that I think it's divisive but the second thing is is it the place of you know like I mean if you're in government you're part of the kind of the institutions of the state Mm. And one of the institutions of the state that ordinary people have is they have this legal recourse yes, yes, to object. Yes, yes, yes. And and that's a function. So being asked not to do the thing. I mean, it'd be different if they were all down there chaining themselves yes, to yes, things, yes, yes. but they're doing legally. They're doing what yes. is legally available to them to and do. What they're entitled to do as well. Yeah. And the other thing that interests me hugely about it is, is the impact of crowdfunding on this entire thing that's happening at the moment because I'm seeing it all the time. Mm. Now, every time somebody wants to object to something, they're launching a crowdfunding yeah, campaign. Yeah, yeah. Is that democratising what's happening when it comes to environmental law? Mm. Because, you know, because then any group of people who maybe wouldn't have felt that they had the resources before can do that, yeah, you know? I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting. And just because, like, yeah, there's an awful lot of um, talk about Antashka and defunding them. Like, um, Antashka is funded by the state, but they are completely separate to, like, you know, they're a completely independent body, yes? That's great. Yeah, they're one of the entities, I think, that does that quite well, yeah. that they are funded by the state, but also they have a specific ring fencing whereby the funding they get from the state, they Isn't don't okay. use to seek judicial reviews anyway. Okay. So I'm not 100% sure where that money comes from for the judicial reviews through fundraising or through, you know, other and can sources. They, can they make, like, is any of their judgments, are they legally binding or are they contingent? Like, if they're, they're, are they just objecting in this case to the Glan, is it Glanbia? Yeah, well, I mean, I think technically they're objecting to Kilkenny County Council yeah, yeah. because they gave the planning permission in the yeah, first the instance. Government, in this case, Micheál Martin would just like Antasca to kind of step back and move on to something else, you know, instead yeah. of... Yeah. And the last time we had this was when the fast-tracking process was brought in, which was Bertie Hearn's government. Yeah. And again, it was this... It was the building boom that did that. Yeah. The building boom was everyone was saying like, oh, nonsense, we just need all the development. Anyone who has a problem, yeah. you know, shut up and sit down. You're just ruining the economy. Yeah, yeah. And like on, if Ontashka's function isn't to provide a balance, yeah. then what is it? If we don't have somebody to provide that balance, it's just a free for all then, yeah. is it? On all of our resources and everything, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Uh, we're going to talk about running now yeah, are we? Yeah. so this is the fantastic long read that went up yesterday evening on Tripe and Rasheen on the yeah. Substack. Yeah. people who have already signed up via email will have got it in their inbox or you can view it on the website or you can take a look at our social media as well we have at tdrasheen on twitter and Tripe and Rasheen on instagram so tell me about this long read that you've done it's this incredible runner who's yeah. our Olympic athlete. Yeah. Well I guess her name is Aoife Cook. Um, she's originally from Ballon College and then she went to Yall, maybe moved there with her family about 15, 16, 17 but um, so yeah she just made the Olympics at the end of April as in she qualified for it in the women's marathon. She's the fourth fastest female runner in Ireland um, she's one place ahead of Sonia O'Sullivan who 
most people might know. Um, and so yeah, I talked to her last week um, as she's gonna she's gonna fly out to Utah next week and do training there until the Olympics. Um, do, don't mind me asking why Utah is it because of the Mormons or because <laughs> of the Mormons <laughs> do you have to run fast run. when you're in Utah no um, high altitude training okay wow yeah, interesting yeah. yeah and also like temperature there would be closer to what it will be the Olympics is the Mar- the Olympics is in Tokyo but the race the marathon the walking races are up in Sapporo which is in Hokkaido which would be closer to Russia but like a separate but linked story is like will the Olympics go ahead at all? You know, I mean, officially, yes, 100% they are going ahead. I'm not spreading a rumour here, but um, ordinary Japanese people are massively against them. Um, like, polls are between 60 and 7% of people saying, call them off, like, um, and there's protests going on and, you know, a lot of petitions going around. Um, and then So just maybe a little sidetrack there, just so that listeners know this, but JJ, you lived in Japan for how long? Uh, for just over 10 years. Okay, all I right. Was, I was the president of Japan. <laughs> what an achievement in such a short time, JJ-san. I I, <laughs> thank you, Ali-san, that's what I wrote. But you, I mean, you really did, like, you just, you know, you married a Japanese I woman, did, you lived there, so you're, you I'm, are kind of Japanese-Irish. I'm 100% Japanese. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're actually experiencing a much more severe wave, uh, their fourth wave, but, like, this is the most serious it's been, and... I was there last year when they called off the Olympics and um, it wasn't as bad at all, you know. So they're they're going through that and obviously like countries like India as well where it's, you know, there's a crazy pandemic going on at the moment and they're seeing like, it's that the direction we're headed in and the Olympics is happens in less than just over two months. I think it's 23rd, around 21st and 22nd of July, it kicks off. Um, so, yeah. So how does Aoife feel then about... That uncertainty, I mean, presumably it's quite an investment, I mean, emotionally, but also definitely physically and presumably fiscally as well for her to go and do this training. Is it upsetting her or worrying her that she, that she you know, is she worried about that? As we say in the business, great question, Ellie. Um, like, I think she's trying all that she can do not to think about the actual race and, you know, whether it's going ahead or not, because there's like some there's just huge uncertainty around that i mean it is but will it um so she's trying not to think of it obviously it's in the back of her mind but i think she's just really really focused on her training um and as i said she's going to utah first and then once she gets to japan she's hoping she can get up to sapporo as quickly as possible because tokyo will be just a sweat box which is the reason they moved it the race up there and um she's one of the most relaxed laid back people i've ever interviewed like she's really really and she's been she's done quite a few interviews now since she qualified because like it's a big deal we have this um really really good marathon runner heading off to japan and she qualified in very very difficult circumstances trying to find a race was actually really really hard because you know just so few races have been organized in the pandemic and you have to meet a qualifying target to get there um so she's She's trying not to think about it um, and she's trying to stay focused. Um, she only just qualified for state funding. Um, she's 34. Um, she got an athletic scholarship to the US when she was 17. And then she came back um, without completing the program because she developed a um, bone disease. And for a while she couldn't run um, because it actually was bad for her. She had pelvic fractures and like she struggled a lot. And then so she came back like a few years after that uh, while still living in Cork and got back to running. And I talked to her coach as well, uh, John 
John quotes Staza. Um, he's based on Tralee and he coaches people all around the world. And he, like, I mentioned this to him, like, how like, she's so laid back and so modest, you know. Um, and he's like, she is, but she has this incredible intensity and focus that just switches on, you know, when she when she's in a race so um like she her goal is to become the fastest irish marathon female runner and I'd, I'd say she'll get there i fully believe she will like she's best of luck to Aoife and it was a pleasure interviewing her and i hope it's a good read for people so i gather you actually went into galleries for the first time in months and months and months this week uh art galleries are open back up again yeah. from this last monday and it didn't take me long now. <laughs> took me until Wednesday morning to yeah, stay yeah. away. <laughs> uh, so there's fantastic things on around the place. So Is just, it? you know, oh, yeah, if people are listening, I think, you know, galleries were hit really, really hard, faced a lot of uncertainty and they really want their public back. Yeah, like they yeah, just yeah. don't want these empty buildings anymore. You know, a gallery is about the art that's in it but more than that it's about the people that go and see that art. Mm. So um, in the Crawford at the moment I went in and when I was there, I checked out the Zurich Portrait Prize, which is upstairs. I've just seen some of it online, but again, as you can, like you want to see these exhibitions in person, in you know, in the building, don't you? Yeah, and and the portrait thing is so interesting because there's just it's it's very sweet. Like human yeah. beings are really cute the way we like looking at faces, mm. and so you you know it's all these people like standing really close to these you know paintings, but also. Um, photos and stuff Is the Zurich exhibition all children and teenagers? Or no it's not it's a mix so there's age, oh, okay. age divisions ah, okay, okay. yeah so there are adult yeah, artists okay. if you will and then there are um, and mm. I mean some of the yeah. some of the children's stuff is just off the charts Yeah I've just seen a few pieces online and like incredible right? Yeah and uh, sometimes sometimes it's like a kind of um, a more original view of the world or yeah, something you know yeah. it's like it's really really cool so upstairs in the Crawford there's that downstairs there's a very interesting exhibition by a photographer called Dara McGrath where he's basically gone around and he has uh, photographed the sites all around Cork City where people were killed in the space of a couple of years of the War of Independence mm-hmm. yeah it's it's quite a moving mm. thing, actually, especially because it's such regular street scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's just places we walk past all the time, you know, like, Barrack Street. Oh, okay, there's, yeah, you know, there yeah. by Elizabeth Fort. Yeah. Um, there's a kind of a really weird eerie one, which is taken on a laneway next to Ashton School in Black Rock. That's just like a kind of a chair with a blanket on it. And then when you read the story, the, there's a blanket in the story because it was a, a young man who was an informant oh, okay. who was actually taken out of hospital by the volunteers and executed wow. and then left dumped, wrapped in a blanket and dumped. So, I mean, it's actually a very contentious body of work because yeah. it commemorates the black and tans equally or to the same extent yeah. as it does everyone else. Yeah. And I have a feeling that that's not sitting very well with people in some quarters. Mm. But it's 100 years ago, so it's time mm. that we can look at these things. And I think the overall message is, you know, that war is shit. Mm. And also, <laughs> yeah, just to give you a better idea of the city, you know, or what happened in these little places that we probably, as you say, we just walk past them all the time without thinking, you know, all these little stories or big stories, you know. Yeah. And then also kind of connected to the Crawford is that uh, Tom Clement, the painter Tom Clement, has a show that's in the Lavitt Gallery until the 22nd of May. And I got to go in and get a tour from him uh, for a piece that I was going to go out in the Examiner. Um, And they're just 
they're just beautiful paintings really really amazing yeah. paintings but the reason that's connected to the Crawford was that obviously the week before it was announced that one of his uh, yes. yeah that so he was so the Crawford was given 400,000 to add to the national collection yeah. so they got to make these purchases of all these artworks Great. And to be fair, they did include a lot of good Cork artists and some people who might have been slightly overlooked in the past. So Tom has been a professional painter for 25 years since he graduated from from art college. He's been only a professional painter since then. That's That's enormous success. I mean, like a lot of artists have to, you know, go and be a waitress for 10 years or whatever. Yeah, do so much else to get by. So it's kind of, you know, due recognition for him. And you actually knew Tom from a long time ago, yeah? <laughs> well, like in Cork, you know everyone. So yeah. I did when, when I saw him. I was like, oh, God, sure, it's you. I used <laughs> to make his coffees for him. He used to live next to the Natural Foods Bakery uh, and I used to make coffees for him. So that's so the world that it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I just think it's really nice to maybe end on a positive note with the reopening of the galleries because yes. I just think it's like, it's a weird one. Everyone wants their hair cut and stuff like that and get in line for pennies everyone wants to get in line for pennies but actually you know like go, just being able to go and be next to something you yeah. know there's no the, the digital space can't do some of that stuff hell yeah, yeah. and both of these places as I imagine like you don't have to book or anything there's no nope you just walk up I think like they have a kind of a tracing um, okay. contact tracing system in the Crawford yeah uh, the Lavish, I'm not sure. I presume you also have to um, sign up when you walk in. But apart from that, and also, of course, the City Library is opened up again this oh, week, great. which is also great. And the Glucksman is open also, yeah? So yeah, yeah. They're all back, really, all the, the public spaces, like the, art, the galleries. Great. And that's a, a nice way to wrap up this Friday view with a little bit of positivity instead of one of us just complaining <laughs> about something because we're just always complaining, aren't we? <laughs> We do it well. Yeah, we do it well. So anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Friday View. Uh, Enjoy your weekend and we'll be back next week with more. Remember that you can always sign up via email to Tripe and Trishine. And also, please, you know, tip us off. We have great uh, information coming in from people. Loads of people getting in touch with interesting stories. We are chasing them all up, even if it's slow. Yeah, and we will get there. We will get there. And join the conversation if you like something that we do tell other people about it that's the biggest thing you can do for us right now Uh, say goodbye JJ sayonara (laughs) and from me goodbye as well happy Friday this has been Friday View